All right. Good morning, Orangewood. Thank you, worship team. Let's give them a thankful round of applause. Thank you. We thank you, and we thank God uh, with you. And uh, I, I love worshiping with you. I, I tell you, my friend Rob leaned over and said, this is first class. And it really is. Great worship. Great worship. And it's loud enough that I can, you, it's loud enough that you don't hear me when I'm singing. That's good news. It's really good news. But I get to sing, and I really cut loose uh, with you in worship. It's good to worship. It's good to be together. I'm surprised anybody's here on Labor Day weekend. You're the spiritual few. So uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, we're going to continue worshiping God by looking into his word, and he's going to talk to us. God loves to be heard, but he loves to hear from us too. So let's bow our heads and hearts in prayer and talk to him before he talks to us. Our great God, we come into your presence today, and what a privilege to be with your, your people and to behold the King, to with your people to look at you, you who are high and holy and lifted up. You are the one who created us and who redeemed us and who sustains us. Uh, it all comes back to you, and on the first day of the week, it is so good for us to be able to come into your presence and to be reminded that you are the beginning and the end, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by you, Jesus, and that your Spirit enables us to understand truth and to apply it in our inner beings. And so I thank you for the worship team. I thank you for our worship this morning and how you have coordinated this time to bring us into your presence. Father, you know every one of us, and you know all of our needs. You uh, you know those who are uh, uh, gladly away this weekend, resting uh, on, on, a, on an adventure or on a rest vacation. Lord, we pray that you'd be with them. We thank you for those who are here today who desperately and consciously know they need to hear a word from you. I pray that they would not leave here unsatisfied. Father, you know those of us who are thinking about money and relationships and and the present and the future, and even though we have a day off tomorrow, uh, what's going to happen this week? For those who need healing in their family, for those who need healing in their hearts. And so, Lord, we pray now as we look into your word that you would be here and speak to us and give us what each of us needs to hear. Only you can do that. Father, we thank you for our mission teams We thank you for our elders. We thank you for our partners in Greece and in Mexico and all over the world. And now we pray that you would speak to us here and now. And so we pray for the one who teaches that you'd forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth. For today we've come to hear you as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what a privilege to be with you today, and uh, today we begin a new series, and that new series is Honest to God, the Psalms, and the life you're living right now. Honest to God, the Psalms, and the life you're living, I'm living right now. Uh, uh, I want you to know where we're going, Uh, so for in the next few weeks, uh, we're, we're going to be looking in this series together. Pastor Joe is going to preach next week, and then Pastor Chuck's going to preach the week after. But we're in this series of, of Psalms, and we're going to be the speaking team that's going to take you into the future. Next week, I'm going to be uh, with my uh, 
uh, son and daughter-in-law in Atlanta where they will be giving birth to the, on Tuesday. Alwinsons are, we like to plan things. And uh, so they're going to be giving birth to their first son, Easton Peter Alwinson. I like, kind of like that name, and, uh, but he's going to be born this next week. And so I'll be up there next Sunday. And the Sunday after, I'll be speaking in Maine to a group of guys. And, uh, and, and then we have Pastor Joe and Pastor Chuck speaking. And, and we're going to be moving through the next few weeks. And then, of course, uh, Advent is coming. And we'll be celebrating the incarnation and studying together the incarnation and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want you to know where we're going, what's going to happen, as we uh, move ahead in these next few weeks together, looking into God's Word. And some of you are saying, but you preached a psalm last week. I know, last week I didn't know that this was the direction we were going to go. But I think you'll like it. Honest to God. The psalms. I think you're going to love this. And and we're going to learn to be more honest with God. One thing I have learned about the Bible is that in the Bible, uh, God wants to be heard. From Genesis to Revelation. God speaks, and God wants to be heard, and God deserves to be heard. And so he's speaking to us constantly, over and over. In creation, God shouts to us. Read Romans 1. Isn't that a powerful text? Romans 1. Uh, God shouts to us in creation. He wants to be heard. He wants us to know him. Uh, And I love it what, what Jesus said, because, of course, in Jesus, we see God Par excellence. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And what did Jesus say? He exhaled with a sigh, and he said, have I been so long with you, and you do not know? He was seeing me, he's seen the Father. So in Jesus, we see God clearly. God wants to be heard. He wants to be known all the way through. God is, God is a, God's voice is clear, powerful. He wants to be heard. He's not long ago and far away. He's right here and right now. And in the Bible, he speaks to us because his spirit takes the word of God and makes it clear. Have you ever studied the Bible, uh, a a book that you've studied before, and you come back to again, read it after a couple of years, and you go, wow, this has given me new truth. This is fresh. I didn't see that before. Of course you didn't. You're not infinite. Neither am I. But the spirit of God is. And so he takes that which he has given and shouts to us and speaks to us because God wants to be heard. But catch this, you want to be heard too, don't you? You want to be heard. I want to be heard. We're made in his image and we want to be heard and you deserve to be heard. God wants to hear your voice. He loves to hear your voice. He he wants to take you and he does take you very seriously. He wants, we want to be heard. And the great news is God wants to hear us. And and the Psalms are a powerful way. I mean, I want to be heard. It's really humiliating when you talk to somebody sometime and they're looking at you and then they look beyond you. Have you ever had that experience? They're looking at you and they're talking to you and they're shaking your hand and they're looking beyond you and they're thinking in their hearts, uh, you know, I'm trying to find somebody higher up on the food chain to talk to right now. Uh, But yeah, it's good. I'm talking to you. Hi, how you doing? That's just so dismissive. But that's another way God is. You deserve to be heard. You want to be heard. You want to be taken seriously. God takes you seriously. Takes me seriously. Uh, he wants to hear from us. Do you believe that, by the way? That God really wants to hear your voice? 
that really wants to hear from you? He does. He really does. He really does. He wants to hear from you more than you know. He wants to hear your he wants to hear from you honestly, genuinely. God is the only one you don't have to play games with. He wants to hear from you. Your voice matters to God, not just because you're part of his creation, but you're part of his family and that Jesus has come for you. That's why your voice matters to him. That's why he wants to hear you. Uh, and, and God is a great listener. As a matter of fact, he's the best listener there is, isn't he? Never interrupts us. Always willing to listen. I'm going to go a step further on all this. God's really the only person that can put up with you. Can we talk? I mean, I, I love you guys. I, I, you know, and I love a lot of people. I, but I, you know, there's, God's the only one that can really put up with me. Let me, give, let me tell you why. Let me give you four reasons. You didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Four reasons why God's the only one that can handle you best. The first reason is he's totally secure in who he is, and he never gets defensive. So you can tell him whatever you want. You can tell him whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, and he never gets defensive. Have you ever been talking to somebody and, 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 they're, and you're telling them the truth and they're getting a little defensive and you say, don't be defensive. And they say, I'm not defensive. I've been that person. I'm not being defensive. Of course I was. But you see, God is never defensive because he's totally confident in his skin. He's totally secure in who he is. And so he can handle you best. And that's why you and I can be honest with him because he can handle whatever you can dish out to him. Number two, God can handle you because he's not going to be shocked or rocked by anything you have to say. And I've told you this, people come into the pastor's offices and they say, pastor, I got to tell you something, but this is going to shock you. And after you've been a pastor for about, oh, six months, (laughs) you go, no, it won't lay it out here, man. I've heard it all. And I really haven't been shocked in a lot. I've been surprised sometimes, but not shocked or rocked to go, oh yeah, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> no, I can. Seen it before. This past week, a friend of mine who's a pastor, his daughter came to him and they were talking and she told him, confessed this week that she's bisexual and she was going to go visit uh, Paris, France with her girlfriend. Surprised him a little bit. Shocked him a little bit. But you can tell God anything, and he won't be shocked. He can handle you better than I can. The fourth reason, third reason that God's the only one that can truly handle us is because he's completely trustworthy. You can tell God anything, and it won't go anywhere. Have you ever had, have you ever shared something with somebody and it ended up in a prayer request in your community group? Oh, man, pray for the pastor this week. He's struggling with anger. I told that to you, not to tell the whole group for crying out loud. But God won't tell. He won't tell. Number four, God is the only one who can handle you honestly because he loves you and he knows you need to vent. And whatever you have to say, he knows you need to get it off your chest and tell him. Uh, one thing I've, I've, I've delighted in telling men when I speak to men's groups is I always talk about and try to explode the myth of male simplicity. I brought that up to you before, I think. We men think that we're simple and you ladies are very complex. And the reality is we're all very complex. 
And, and what I've come to see is that temperamentally and what sin does to my life and how I was raised and the decisions I make and all of the complexity in my life, I'm very complex and you are too. And God's the only one that can figure me out sometimes. You ever thought that? Have you ever come to that conclusion? This is one of the greatest and most liberating things that a Christian can come to is when they don't demand that other people on this planet understand them. I, you know, I want my wife to understand me. I want my kids to understand me. I'd like you to understand me. But that's not always going to happen. And I don't even, that's not even a requirement anymore. And it's so freeing. I, because the one who matters, now you matter. But the one who ultimately matters gets me. And there are times when I'm, I'm praying and I'm saying, Father, I don't even know what I'm thinking right now. And he goes, that's all right. I, I get you. I get you. Yeah, but she doesn't get me. I get you. So good. And that's why he commands us to pray. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because he wants to hear from us. He wants to hear honestly from us. And why, don't, why is it so hard to pray when we, want, when we want to be known, we want to be understood? And I think sometimes I want to be known more by people than God because you're more real to me than God. Sometimes I think that's the way it is. And so the more real God comes to us, the more we can be honest with him. Uh, and, and then there's sometimes I, I pray and I don't even know what I'm praying in Romans 8, 26. And this, and, 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 and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. God gets us. And I think that's why the Psalms are given to us. The reason we have the Psalms is because the Psalms are, uh, display the full range of human emotions. The Psalms, are, there are many different types of Psalms, but the Psalms are, is, is the reflection of human emotions across the spectrum in so many ways. There is not an emotion in this room today that is not reflected in the Psalms. And I, I've read many of the great books on, on Psalms. I, I was Charles Spurgeon, The Treasury of David, Derek Kidner, J.J. Perrone. I love what Nancy Guthrie writes. Nancy Guthrie, so many of you know, is one of our PCA late ladies. She's an incredible thinker. Is it okay to quote Nancy Guthrie here on a Sunday morning? Of course it is. She's a great resource to us uh, as, as a PCA believers. Ladies, you ought to read her. The Bible says my wife is... Anyway, that's another story. She's great. She says this on Psalms. She says, how does the created speak to the creator? How does a sinner cry out for mercy before a holy God? How does a sufferer lay out a complaint against a just God? How does a needy human lay out his or her needs before the shepherd? The Psalms show us how. The Psalms show us how. Because while we hear the voice of God speaking to us through most of the Bible, the Psalms speak in a human voice, providing us with divinely inspired poetry to express our hearts and our minds to God. Then she goes on. She says, the Psalms are an honest expression of emotions. Now catch this. 
while at the same time, they help us to discipline our emotions. They teach us that our emotions are grounded in covenant faith, contradicting our mistaken belief that emotions are something over which we have no control. That's worth the price of admission here today. The Psalms are the divinely inspired poetry of God. Teach us how to relate to God, how to deal with our minds, how to deal with our emotions before the God of the universe and teach us that our emotions can be controlled, ought to be controlled in the right way before the God of the universe. Frankly, I'm going to be honest. Talking about emotions is not something I'd like to do. I'm a Presbyterian minister. I'd like to walk through the 33 chapters of the Westminster Confession of Faith for those of you who are spiritual enough to stay here till we get done with it by Tuesday afternoon. I I love knowledge for knowledge's sake. I love the truth of the Bible. I don't want to talk about emotions. My family never talked about emotions growing up. Is your family the same way? Then I married Karen. Her family talked about everything. I'd come home on a family vacation. We'd be, and she's, and, and her dad say, well, what about this? Her mom say, what about this? I'd say, how do you know about that? Karen. Yeah, just into our relationship and into the family. It was like, we never talked about them, especially emotions. Are you kidding me? It's all about performance and what you did. I, I didn't know what a healthy family was. I, uh, and guys, this is not our subject, is it? When we get together, it's like, hey. Tell me about your emotions about the game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. we, we don't typically say, how do you feel? We say, how do you feel about that? Yeah, but not often. Um, <laughs> guys, we struggle with this, don't we? Because we have the, our minds are different, as scholars have told us. Our minds are different, and we have these little boxes. Women, you've got a lot of wires that just connect everywhere, and everything's connected. And we've got these little boxes and we take emotions and we go, whoa, okay, that's an emotion. Okay, don't know what to do with that. So I'm going to stick that in this little box. And let's screw that lid right on. Then I'm going to go home and turn on a rerun match of a couple of Czechoslovakians I've never heard of. And I'm not going to think about it very much. But emotions are important for us too because we have them. Guys, we all do. All of us have them. And can we talk? Orangewood, you got emotions, especially now in the life of your church, Archer. Wow, the gamut of emotions in this place right now. Stunning, sad, angry, fearful, happy. Looking ahead, optimistic, pessimistic. The range of emotions is phenomenal. This is the perfect time for us to look at God's word and to know how to deal with our emotions and be honest to God because he doesn't want a dishonest relationship. He wants a deep relationship with us. That's why Jesus came. And so whatever your emotions are, you can be honest with God, honest to God. He wants that. And that's why there's so many different psalms. There are psalms of praise. There are psalms of laments. A lament is a psalm of grieving or weeping. There's individual laments in the psalms. There's community laments uh, in the psalms. There are psalms of thanksgiving. Again, personal thanksgiving, community thanksgiving. There's songs uh, of salvation's history, songs of trust, royal songs, songs of Jesus. 
as Tim Keller has written his book, you know, it's always good to quote Tim Keller on something. Songs of Jesus. Every psalm eventually gets us back to Jesus. You need to know that. Uh, gets us back to the gospel. And the one we're going to look at today will do that as well. This is the perfect time in the life of our church. The Psalms are an honest expression, Nancy Guthrie says, of emotions, while at the same time they help us to discipline our, our emotions. So, in the Psalms, we are taught how to be honest to God. Honest with God. Today, in the first Psalm we're going to look at, Psalm 1, God is going to be honest with us. He's going to, because Psalm 1, and some of you are saying, wait, do you have enough time for Psalm 1? I do. I'm going to get you out of here in the right time. And I'm watching the clock. So we have enough time to look at Psalm 1, which is the introductory psalm to the whole book. The book of Psalms was put together over hundreds of years. David wrote about, oh, 75 of the 150 Psalms. And, 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 and there are five books in the book of Psalms. But this one was put at the very beginning. We don't know who wrote it. Put here to, to guide us it's God being honest with us because in the book of Psalms, he teaches us how to be honest with him. And I love it. So here it is. We're going to look at Psalm 1 together. Honest, God's honesty to us in Psalm 1. I'm going to read it, and then we can all thank God together for God's word. Book 1, Psalm 1, it starts out this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's holy word to us. Thanks be to God. Now, did you notice the first word and the last word of the psalm? The first word of the psalm is the word, say it with me, blessed. The last word of the psalm is the word perish. And those two words perfectly bookend this first psalm. They give us the introduction uh, and, and the conclusion. Psalm chapter 1 is a wisdom psalm. And in the wisdom psalms, we find that they're very much like, uh, well, the wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs. And so in a wisdom psalm, we're, we're, he we're hearing God speak to us and speak honestly to us. And he, and, he, and he says, guys, this is how life is done. This is how life works. That's what a wisdom psalm is. This is the way it normally works. This is the way you normally should live. And that's why I love this psalm so much. I, I got to confess, I'm not much of a poet. How many poets do we have? If you're a poet, please raise your hand. Show me that there's some poets here. I don't see any hands. Is this a poet-free zone? Does nobody write poetry? Anybody write? Okay, I, I, see, I, I see that hand. I won't, I'm not going to ask you to come down and recite any. I'm just... Any other poets over here? Okay, good, good. Thank you. It took a while. And over here, good. I appreciate that. 
It's like I was at a conference once. And I said, any attorneys here? Nobody raised their hand. And I told an attorney joke. And then one afterwards came and said, I'm an attorney. I, yeah, I want you to know. <laughs> I'm not going to rip you off. I'm glad for poets. Uh, I need poets in my life. I just don't understand you. Um, I love, I, I flunked eighth grade art. I, I, I struggled with Emily Dickinson and E.E. E. Cummings. Why don't you capitalize? What, what are you saying? I figure in poetry, if you have something to say, say it. I know it, it says more about me than I know. Students, listen to your literature teachers. Read your poetry. It'll develop you in some ways that I haven't been developed. It's good. It's important. But I, that's why I like Hebrew poetry. What I realize is I love Hebrew poetry. And the reason why I love Hebrew poetry, because it doesn't have any rhyme or meter or anything. We've lost all that. It just got straightforward. I, I, it's just right out there. It's what you see is what you get. And uh, it's right to the point. I've come to enjoy right to the point. I've come to enjoy truth. Grace helps you do that, by the way. Because when you know God's grace, uh, he accepts you in Christ, you can get the truth straight. Even when I'm talking with my wife and she gives it to me straight. I can handle it much more. rather have that. Chuck Swindoll said, uh, we need to have thick skin and soft hearts, but so often times we have thin skin and tough hearts. That's true, isn't it? And grace enables us to have a thicker skin, to feel comfortable in our skin because we know that we are beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. And because we are his, he can give us the truth that develops us, that sets us free. Lives don't develop anybody. Um, and so grace builds a slab of callus thicker skin, a softer heart, and God is honest with us in this poetry. Straightforward, two points, the path of ultimate success and the path of ultimate failure. Let me unpack that, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. I want you to see that this psalm talks about the path of ultimate success, where God is saying to us, this is how you live. This is, this is how to have a fruitful, enjoyable, blessed Life. Blessed is one of those words that's found dozens and dozens and dozens of times in the Bible. It's hard to define, but you know you're blessed when you are. And, and so he doesn't try to define it. He just says, this is what blessed people do. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsels of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the assembly uh, of, the, of the scoffers. Do you notice the progression? There are some things that blessed people don't do. Uh, they, they don't traffic with those who are truly wicked or unrighteous. And, and, and the progression is this, that it's, it, I, I see this happen with students all the time when they go to college, raised in the church, they go to college and they're kind of trafficking along uh, with those uh, skeptical uh, professors uh, who deny Christianity and they're kind of walking and then they stop because they're forced to stop, forced to listen and sit. And, and it happens so often. You're, you're walking among people who differ with you so greatly, and then you stop and you start listening, and then you sit down, and it sinks in, and before you know it, you buy into it. You see, 
What the psalm writer is saying is that there are some things truly blessed people don't do, and that is they don't traffic with the wicked. And notice the terminology here. This is not PC terminology. (laughs) You know, the Bible says there are righteous people who are following God's word, and there are wicked people. There's right and there's wrong. There's truth and there are lies. And, And there's some things that those who want to flourish, you see, this is the way we flourish as God's people. By living righteously. Now notice that righteousness in the Old Testament sense is not perfection. The righteous man or righteous woman in the Old Testament is not a perfect person. But they're following in the righteous path. And so those who follow in righteousness uh, follow in the right way. People today are saying truth is relative. Of You hear that all the time. Of course, when those who say truth is relative, they just made a relative statement and they ought to be discounted because they've been self-defeated and illogical in what they said. But the reality is most people around us have confused the theory of relativity with relativism. We live in a society that says anything is right as long as you feel it or believe it long or hard enough. But those who are blessed Uh, who want to follow the path of ultimate success. God's speaking honestly. He says they don't do certain things. So students, some of the things you don't do, you don't go to all those parties and drink the way they do. You just don't. You stand out a little bit. Um, You're not going to jump into the hookup culture just because everybody's doing it because it's not the way of flourishing. There's things that we don't do In the workplace, we don't laugh at crude jokes sometimes. We try not to, because some crude jokes are funny. Have you ever, don't raise your hand. (laughs) We've all laughed at, whoa, hey, I shouldn't have been laughing at that. We try not to. Try to stand out. Um, We get our kids to church. I mean, I know a lot of games are on Sunday, but we still try to get them to church, right? And by the way, as parents on the sidelines, when we are at those games, we're not the raving lunatics that the other parents are. You ever gone to a baseball game? Baseball's the worst. My kids were playing baseball. I thought, man, I want to win, but that guy over there, he'd be crazy. So we don't do a lot of things that other people do. Why? Because it's not, it's not the way of ultimate, because we do what God tells us to do because it's the way of flourishing. Right, uh, And there are things that blessed people uh, don't do, but there are things that we do. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. We focus on the word of God because the law of God is the grace gift of God that shows us how to live. This is the way to live. Walk in it. This is the way of flourishing. Go this way. So there's things that blessed people do and don't do, and, and they follow God's teaching. I was telling you a few weeks ago that I, we went to, uh, did some hiking in Colorado, and a couple of trips ago, a couple of years ago, we, we did four in one day. It was cold and windy and snowy, but we were about ready to finish the first one. And this one lady said, now, when you do the fourth one, don't go down that trail. Backtrack and come all the way back and come down the trail you're on right now. And of course, we know better. So we went down the other trail and it was the hardest hike I ever been on. And my daughter and my wife or, or my daughter-in-law could have fallen. I should have listened. I didn't know that lady who gave me that advice. But we know Jesus. 
we know God. See, who is the man, ultimately, guys, who is the man that, fulfill, that fulfills all this? Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the path of sinners, who does not sit in the assembly of, of the ungodly or the scoffers? Who is the one, ultimately, who fulfills the law par excellence? His name is Jesus. And so who is the man here ultimately? And it is the Hebrew word ish that we use for males, but ladies were included in this, but it points to the ultimate man, Jesus, who fulfills the law perfectly for us. Because even though we're commanded to be, that we are blessed by not doing certain things and blessed doing other things, we don't not do or do those things in order to get saved because we can't not do enough and we can't do enough, right? But Jesus did. He is the man who fulfills the law. And as you take communion today, I want you to remember that he fulfilled the law in his life. That's every bit as important as taking the curse for us on the cross. And so, so this, is, this is incredible stuff. Uh, we need the light. This is how we flourish uh, as we follow Jesus who has fulfilled that perfectly for us. By the way, do we always like the light not always. And sometimes we criticize other people who are walking in darkness. And sometimes we do the same things. Uh, one of the things I used to do on the Seminole Trail is ride my bike early in the morning. And I'd wear a light. I had a light on my bike. And I'd be so absolutely surprised. I'd come up on these people that are walking on the Seminole Trail. Pitch dark. With no lights. I mean, they don't even have a white shirt on. They think, that, and I'm about ready to run them over. I'm thinking, you guys like the darkness. You're idiots. I didn't say it because I'm a pastor. <laughs> don't think I didn't think it, though. So about two weeks ago, I was running on Saturday morning. And I, I, I decided to go this one route. And it was through a long stretch. And it didn't have any street lights in it. And so there I am. I didn't bring a light. And I'm running in the darkness, and I am running really slow in the darkness. Because I, all I have to hit is one crack, and I'm down. I thought, Alan said, you're so easy to criticize other people. Look at you, running in the darkness. But those who live in the light are like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, she does, prospers. The outcome of their life is prospering. Isn't that great? That's the blessed life. As we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, uh, we're planted by living water and can draw that water, yielding fruit in its season. Guys, we don't grow up every, we don't grow every day, every day. How are you doing? How, have you become closer to Jesus today? No, I don't think so. But as we walk in the right season, God brings fruit in our lives and through us. And you look back and you say, hey, I'm better than I used to be. I'm not that way as much. Isn't that great? And you don't wither. You're not that dry leaf that falls off a tree and is just blown away. You have substance because you walked with God. So this is powerful stuff. 
God is being honest. Here's the path to true life success. And then briefly, he ends it with the path of ultimate failure. The wicked are not so. But they're like the chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will... The way of the righteous is blessed. The way of the wicked will perish. There's, I love God's honesty. Don't you, don't you like this? Just straightforward, real simple. The path of ultimate success, the past, uh, path of ultimate failure. Ultimate failure... Life failure is following a system that doesn't work, hoping that it will eventually work, and then finding one, uh, one day that it was never intended to work and can never work. That's failure. And some people learn that too long, and they don't need to, because history is God's story. Creation. Fall. Promise of redemption. Fulfillment in Jesus. And the coming consummation. Life is not perfect now, and our troubles are very real. Why? Because we live between the already and the not yet. The already of fulfillment of Jesus' coming, and the not yet of the perfect consummation of all things. That's why life is a mess. That's why there's chaos. That's why we have pain. That's why we have suffering. That's why we make bad decisions. That's why stuff happens. And this psalm shows us how we can live. Even in the midst of the chaos, we're going to be learning how we can emote properly back to God. And now he tells us today how we can honestly face our life. We can be blessed or we can perish. You don't have to perish. And it's Labor Day weekend. I don't know if we have anybody here who's visiting for the first time or who is not a Christian, but I want you to know we Christians aren't perfect. We are forgiven. We're not perfect. We mess up. But we found the one who fixed the problem. His name is Jesus. He's the man. And we want to point you to. We want you to know him. And we want to get to know you too. And we want to be honest to you. Uh, but we're all fellow pilgrims. None of us are perfect. We're moving in the, hopefully in the way of blessedness. And we'd love for you to join us, but that means for you to come to that point where you say, like we've come to the point where we've said, I realize I can't take the curse away and I can't be good enough long enough. Jesus can. We encourage you to come to him. And yep, to repent. To say, I've been following a life system that doesn't work and never will work. Come to the end of yourself and embrace him. By faith, alone, in Jesus, and trust in him and him alone for your salvation. I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to embrace him in just a second. But for those of us who are already Christ followers, we're in the kingdom. This is a day for us as we take communion now, just a minute, for us to say, am I on that path of blessedness or did I get off? Communion's a great time because it's a, a celebration of our covenantal relationship with God. And it's a chance to say, well, yeah, I'm off the path. I want to get back on and we can confess our sins. Um, this is also a time for you to, to confess your emotions and to be honest to God about what you may be experiencing in the life of our church and the life of, what, of what's going on in your life and leaning heavily 
upon Jesus. And so I want to go now just for a time of prayer as our worship team comes forward, our elders come forward uh, and uh, prepare to take communion by intinction, by the way, uh, as we will ask, invite you all to come forward and uh, we will invite you to take the, 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 bot, the bread representing the body of Christ in which he perfectly fulfilled the law and took our curse to take the cup, which represents the blood of the new covenant shed for the remission of our sins. As we prepare to take that, let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Well, Father, we do come into your presence. Thank you for your honesty today. Thank you that you can always be relied upon to tell us the truth about the way life is and that in turn, we can come back to you in honesty. So today, honestly, if you have never embraced Christ as Savior and Lord, I want to just say to you right now that you, you could do that right now. You could say to God in the quietness of your heart, and I invite you to do that with me or to do that while communion is taking place. Because communion is for those who have already committed themselves to Jesus. Just stay in your place and think about the things that we've talked about. And we invite you to embrace him. You could say something like this, Lord, I, I don't think I have been on the path to blessing. I think I've been on the path to doing my own thing. But I want your blessing. I want your success. I, I want to be in a relationship with you. And so today I come and I, I embrace Christ. I repent. I turn. I turn from the past and I want to start anew. I want to, I want to put my roots down with you. I want the streams of living water. I, 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 I want to be renewed I want to grow. I want to not wither up. And so I confess of my sins. And today I embrace Christ alone as my Savior. Come into my life and do in me the work you want to do to make me flourish and to enjoy you and honor you. And then if you belong to him, is this a time for you to tell him what you're feeling right now and to ask him to guard your emotions and to guide your emotions? After I pray, I will give the words of institution, our elders, will come forward and I'll give you the opportunity then to come forward, all of you, to take of the bread and the cup. But before you do come, think, process some. And when you're ready, you can come forward. Lord Jesus, as our elders come to give us the Lord's Supper, as we come to meet in your presence, we ask that you would meet us truly. You are the word 
the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the path of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers, but you are the way and the truth and the life. You are our savior. Today we look to you and pray that you would meet us, that you would process our emotions and that you would cause us to thrive and flourish as your people. Thank you for your great work. And we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you as a first importance, that Jesus delivered his body for us. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, this is my body, Jesus says, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And the way we will do this today is we have elders, as you see, at uh, different places. And Joe and I will be up front. We have a gluten-free section back over there in the corner. And if, uh, uh, if you need a server to come to you, motion with your hand, and one of our elders will come to you. As we Take of the bread as Jesus met with his disciples. He met with them on that last night in the upper room. And he took that bread in a very powerful way. He took it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. Which Hebrews tells us. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away the sins of man. Only the precious blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, could do this. We give him great thanks that he has been honest with us and that we can be honest with him. Come as you are led and be ready to take and experience the Lord's blessing in your life.